Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Batman years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia. Sonia, we have reached the sixth episode of season three of Batman the Animated Series, an episode entitled Double Talk. It's uh, not a Two-Face episode. Not a two <laughs> <laughs> Don't be fooled. Just one of the many other characters that have severe mental illness in the Batman animated series. Yeah. In this case, the ventriloquist. Poor guy. Uh, Scarface. Um, before we talk about that and a whole lot more, first, let me dispense with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, at Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Task Podcast, Facebook, or Reddit group so you can interact with us and the rest of the community. And last but not least, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Again, we appreciate everyone who does just that. So in the past week, there hasn't been that much new, like, relevant superhero content. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we're blessed with content. Sometimes we're not. We're not like, remember when that Superman cartoon was out recently in the past year? <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> um, they're doing, like, at the end of the month, they're doing uh, the what if. They're releasing, like, an episode of what if every day for a week or something. Okay. So I don't know if we'll be around to cover that in real time. Uh, we are going on vacation at the end of the month, so we're going to have to record a few episodes in advance, as we do sometimes. So we might... Our, we'll, we'll catch up with it eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then Echo comes out around that time, too, in the new year. So by the end of the month, there might be some new, like, relevant superhero things going on. But right now, it's a little bit of a dry spell. Mm-hmm. We've been filling our time with K-drama, old K- movies. Yeah. Um, I've been... Uh, I watched that Agatha Harkness featurette that hit the internet uh-huh um i don't know i think it could be good i i was very much not like you i think i was not in looking forward to the agatha harkness spinoff show mm-hmm. of all character like you've got a million so much more interesting characters than agatha harkness but yeah i do like Catherine. yeah Hall. she's a great actor I, I like most of WandaVision. I just felt like they're really trying to squeeze every little bit of like pop culture out of this as they could because Agatha was like such a sensation right, with briefly. that song and everything in, <laughs> when she was out in WandaVision. Let me put it this way. Would you have any desire to rewatch WandaVision? You know, I've been thinking about that. I actually would. It's yeah. been a while, and we've seen a lot of other, like, Disney Plus Marvel stuff in the meantime. Yeah. And that was kind of at the beginning of the run. It was, like, the beginning of the hype and excitement. Like, right. And then, like, the last, you know, few episodes, especially the last episode, were not good. There's two things wrong with WandaVision. One, the Ralph Boner thing when Quicksilver, Evan Peters' yeah. Quicksilver, turned out to be a joke. That, that was the beginning of their whole, like, g- gimmick cameo. Thing. Yeah, that was such bullshit. And then the second thing was the finale, the final fight between Agatha and Wanda was bad. Yes. It just looked bad. It looked unfinished. It was like, it was the first crack in the sense of getting the idea that these Disney Plus shows were a little half-baked. Mm-hmm. Because up until that point, WandaVision was cooking. Yeah. Uh, I would want to go back and, like, watch the good episodes, though. Like, yeah. When it starts to go downhill, maybe I wouldn't, like, keep up with it anymore. I wouldn't watch, like, the whole series the whole way through, maybe. Right. But, like, we have had so much disappointing Disney Plus Marvel content since then. I think Loki- Part of me wants yeah. to go back and just, like, measure it against what we've seen Yes. You know what I mean? Well, Loki season two sort of revived my, like, I don't know, interest in Disney Plus shows a little bit because it was was really good and had a strong finale. So I may even want to see Loki again as well. I mean, there's even parts of like this, the Sam Bucky show was pretty good up until a point as well. They introduced a lot of interesting characters in that show. Winter Soldier. Yeah. I wouldn't say a lot, um, but that replacement Captain America guy 
was really good. Like he's very, he was like a very villainous, interesting character. I thought, yeah. uh, you know, but then that show went, went downhill as well with that, like agent 13 or whatever, that girl that was in love with Captain America in the movie. And then turns out to be a bad guy. Right. That was really shitty and stupid. And <laughs> Falcon's like new Captain America outfit was terrible. Along with his speech, he gives at the end of that series was like, extremely cringe worthy mm. where he's just like lecturing like a group of huddled politicians and media around him yeah about how to be a good captain of america or something uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but again there's parts of that show i really like i was like so excited to be nor new orleans for some reason i kept like in the back of my mind this is when i was way more naive i was like what if we just like were introduced to this cajun guy this really shady car dealing you cajun. just want to <laughs> yeah, you just want to see Gambit. Yeah, I wanted to see Gambit. I was like, he could just be around the corner. You never know. Not going to happen. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Agatha Harkness, it, it's, I think it's being made by the WandaVision people. So yeah, I, they did a good job. Like it wasn't until it ended badly, it was good. Okay. And, and then the other thing that ruined WandaVision was uh, Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. Where they just like, everyone involved in making that movie said they didn't watch WandaVision. <laughs> I saw a recent interview yeah. with uh, Elizabeth Olsen that popped up on Twitter where she said, like, that was a challenge for me, where I was explaining to the filmmakers, you know, like, this is how WandaVision ends. Did you see that? And, and she's like, oh, of course they hadn't because it hadn't come out yet. Mm-mm. And but at, the same- <laughs> but at the same time, like, you're all part of the same MCU. Yeah, like, somebody should, should be, be passing the notes. To it. Like, yeah. Even if it's not a finished version, you should at least have read the script. Or it, right. And if Elizabeth Olsen knows where Wanda's character is supposed to be, why is that privileged, privileged information? Right. Why is she the only one who knows it? It seems like the kind of thing Kevin Feige should have been on top of. Right. Because her character was just radically different in Doctor Strange 2. It didn't make any sense. It did not. Uh, I, you know, and I just saw, like... Disney is doing the blame game for why the Marvels has bombed spectacularly. And I saw a quote from Bob Iger mm-hmm. saying, like, the problem with the Marvels was it was filmed during COVID and there's not enough executives on set to keep things in order, which, wow. <laughs> which seems like, like uh, you know, executives being on set, it, like, what does that even mean? Like, that doesn't seem like something people should be celebrating usually in the world of, like, artistic endeavors. Right. Usually it's like the, you don't want suits on your set to screw it up. What you really want is a good script. Yeah, right. Yeah, if the <laughs> script is good, then you just got to sort of execute on it versus... It's it's just like we, the more we see about these uh, Marvel movies, it, you just get the sense that they're improvised. Right. That they... they okay, so they pre-plan this, the major action set pieces before the script is written a lot of the time where they're like we want a sequence where there's like a big galactic fight between these two entities and then they storyboard it out and like do preliminary cgi because these things are so time and labor intensive that they have to like get the ball rolling Mm -hmm. so the script is not done but they know what action sequences they want and this is even before they hired the director then they hire the director in this case with the Marvels, uh, Nia DaCosta, she wrote the movie as well. Mm-hmm. But so since she writes the script, does she write the script around the action sequences she's told that's going to be in the movie? And then at, from what we've seen and we've talked about before too, is like they get on set, they're filming and uh, Amon Vellani is like, you know what? Actually, like this is not what would happen based on like, I've seen the entire MCU, you right. know, like. I've read a bunch of comics. Yeah. Like, I, I know who these characters are. This isn't. And and people are like, well, it's fine. Like, just make it up or input. And then, like, she tells, relays the story in a way that's a little more forgiving, where she says, like, eventually they agreed with her uh-huh. and they had to make a change. 
But if the star of the movie is telling you that this is not really li- similar to Elizabeth Olsen's story. Yeah, it's exactly like Elizabeth Olsen's story. It's just like not like why are they going into these things with like an improvisational attitude? Yeah. Especially if you're trying to create like a intricately linked like story across a million different properties and you're and the the whole the whole premise to the audience is like, "Hey audience, we want you to see every single thing we're doing." And so that you like are hooked in but so if you're actually asking an audience member to do that, like me or you, which we do, we watch everything, we notice the fucking plot holes and the, the leaps of logic and the things that make no fucking sense. And it's infuriating. Like, so if you're asking the audience to do that, to be committed to this, like, like see four movies a year, watch uh, like uh, 30 episodes of television across three different series, and you don't make it sync up, like the audience is going to notice it. It's frustrating. Yeah. So... <laughs> They got to, like, do it better. So I'm, I'm just hoping with Deadpool 3 that in the sense that it's the only one they have coming out, there's a lot riding on it, that it'll be good. Yeah. And I hope the same thing, you know, in general, with all new Disney Plus shows coming out, like, with this Agatha show, that it'll be better. And um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't, know. I, I don't like, I don't, I, I know it's, like, so fashionable to hate Marvel right now. Mm-hmm. And we have expressed, like, a lot of just, like, this sucks, you know, or, yeah. like, this isn't, it's boring, it's too much, it's, they don't know what they're doing, it's too safe, it's, it's too this, it's too that. But at the same time, I... We're still fans. I'm still a fan. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I, fi- I, I mean, I want to see Marvel do better. I like the characters. That I still envision a world where it's just the entertainment quality is, is way higher and I think it's – I don't think it's too much to ask and I don't think it's impossible. So I'm still – I'm not someone who's like rooting for the demise of the MCU or comic book movies in general. Like I don't – that's not <laughs> – I also don't see them in like opposition to other kinds of movies. I like other yeah. kinds of movies too. But like we just were talking about there's a bunch of movies out that we want to see yeah. that have nothing to do with superheroes. Priscilla. Napoleon. Killers of the Flower yeah, Moon. Like a- all seem like really cool movies to go see. Yeah, we want to see will. them. Yeah, we will. All right, Sonia, um, we'll all see a lot of stuff. But right now, we have just seen the latest Batman uh, in continuity. And um, it is the return of the ventriloquist guy, Arnold Wesker. Mm-hmm. Just the, the ventriloquist sometimes. Yes. And I, his dummy Scarface. I like this character. You do? Yeah. Oh. You don't like him? Yeah, he's like kind of a sympathetic character because you can really tell that he like doesn't want any part of this. He has no control over it. Yeah. He just has a mental illness. Yeah, his mental illness is really severe Sad. and upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the character, though. I think it is a lot of fun <laughs> despite all that. Um, so we open up on Arkham Asylum with a blood red sky um, and we go into a dream sequence right away and it's... Arnold Wesker's dream. It's very like psychedelic. There's a clock and um, like these yellow doorways and he's being in the dream. He's being released from Arkham, but he has like his traveling trunk, like a chest, I guess. Um, that's like bouncing after him and Scarface is inside and he's like terrified, sweating, running away. This like extremely scary Batman creature emerges and comes after him. There's guns shooting at him. Um, Scarface breaks out of the trunk and gives like a maniacal laugh. There's this weird like flute music scoring the whole thing that like comes back throughout the episode. It's like a jaunty like Irish tune or something. (laughs) You think he's been cursed? (laughs) It's the curse of this magic flute that has placed this demon dummy in his brain. Right. 
Uh, I thought this whole sequence was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. It looked good. It looks great. I, again, and I like this character. I think he's interesting. The, uh, the contrast between this sort of meek man and his uh, just completely different... Like dominating our alter ego. Yeah. Yeah. Tough guy persona of this dummy. So he wakes up from the dream and it's the next day he's talking to his doctor, the psychiatrist at Arkham, about the dream. And I want to say this is like a season two episode because in season two they do a lot of redeeming of villains mm. or like the final brushstroke on like the villain story. This this is a season three, like they're getting to the ventriloquist to give a nice little button on his story here. Right. Yeah. Um, so the doctor says like, well, you know, it's perfectly normal to have dreams. Like it's going to be scary to go back to resuming your life. And, uh, you've been healthy for six months. So that's good enough for the state. It's good enough for me. You're, you're going to get out. You'll be fine. Um, I mean, it, it does make you think about the Gotham, like how fast they want to truck these villains out of our criminal justice system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, does get out and he gets an apartment at the Wayne halfway house. Um, there's a little person who works. I think she works there, right? She's not a resident. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, this woman shows him to his room and like helps him get settled in. And he says like, Oh, and it's great. I was placed in the jobs program at Wayne enterprise. And he feels like so grateful that despite everything that he has done wrong, that he still gets like a second chance at life, which is like very sweet. Um, and Batman is watching through the window to kind of like see how things are going. Batman is an intense uh, probation officer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seems that's like, to me, like one of his greater crimes. That he does like too much surveillance. The surveillance of people that are free. Like he does that a lot and it's really creepy and scary. But those people usually need his help. They, yeah. No, you're right. I'm not. I mean, it, it always works out where it's like Batman is. It's like good thing he was doing that. And good thing Batman was watching because if he didn't, he would just go and beat this person up if once they were committing the crime. Like Batman gets the full picture. Right. He's trying to help with the rehabilitation process. But he is like a weird probation officer god like character that. Yes. <laughs> it, it definitely is at the expense of people's privacy. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, think about the whole like he like controls the state in many ways. I mean, he owns the halfway home. He's getting people the job. You know, he's using like his financial resources to set these people up too. And just I mean, I think like they establish, if not in this cartoon, but in comics, that he's a big like contributor to Arkham in general. Mm. That he's a major benefactor of the prison system there. It's all very you know. A little creepy. Yeah, I mean, Batman has meetings with the mayor, with the police commissioner. He is just like, his tentacles are all over the city in a way that are, like, I mean, what is the effectiveness of this plan by Bruce Wayne to wipe the city of crime? I mean, you'll never know because we don't know a Gotham without Batman, so. You know, like, they, they hint at this stuff in the movies where, like, Bruce Wayne is, like, uses his powers, Bruce Wayne, to do economic things and shake stuff up in the city, you know, and kind of, like, get his way. But it's it's almost done, like, in a cheeky way a lot of the time, those scenes. Like, they're not taken too seriously. Well, also because, like, it's always just assumed that whatever Bruce Wayne or Batman is doing is, like, yes. 100% right and good. Right, yeah. And that we're totally rooting for this billionaire guy to just make all the right decisions and and be, like, right, like you said, a force of good. There's no, no reason to even seriously question it. I would like to see a Batman movie where he's not bad. Like, you don't, like, say, like, he's a billionaire, he's bad. I wouldn't go that far. But I want to see the extent of the Bruce Wayne, 
like like I said, the tentacles that like where he's got his hands in everything in the city, the police system, the government, you know, the economy with his industry, him Not like his sphere of influence to be clearly laid out. Yeah, give like a big picture and like make the movie about like how Bruce Man is this, Bruce Wayne is this man obsessed with like trying to control his environment in the most complete and to- totalizing way that he can, <laughs> and you see like how crazy that is and like how effective it is and. Just like some, maybe like Alfred's the person that is like, through his eyes, we see like the total madness of this kind of operation. Mm. And I think like, that's like a viewpoint that we haven't, that's why, you know, we always talk about this movie a lot. It comes up the the latest Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. Mm -hmm. I think that's another reason why the movie is kind of boring and doesn't work is because the, the, the premise of Bruce Wayne in that movie is all the emotional pain of his parents being killed. And he's like the most emo Batman there is. Right. It's almost, it's just kind of boring and like been there, done that. You know, it's like, they're just amping that up to 11 versus finding a new angle of just like this like crazy man who's this billionaire who controls people's lives in this insanely intimate way. Right. Exactly. You don't see his fear of influence in that movie at all. In fact, he's like a pretty ineffectual Bruce Wayne. Right. He's like, I don't even care about any of this stuff, Alfred. It's not the point. You know, right. like, like you don't see him like doing stuff at Wayne Enterprises or like interacting with anyone else besides like Alfred, really. I mean, ultimately, that's why the Batman of the comics, the modern Batman is so much more profoundly interesting because they establish him as a genius of this literally the smartest person in the universe of the D- of the DCU, right? Mm-hmm. Like Superman even says so that Bruce Wayne's the smartest, like being in existence mm-hmm. and like that in its in of itself is like an absurd awesome comic book premise to play off of and that's again why that that batman movie is like not great to me in the, in that sense is because i want to see and the same thing goes for the uh the christian bale movies i want to see batman as like learning how to do chemistry you know mm-hmm. reading like being the greatest lawyer by studying all the law, law books uh, you know, like being the greatest, uh, in addition to being like the greatest, like combat hand to hand fighter, he's also the, the world's greatest physicist and inventor, like all this shit. Like, I think that's an interesting story to tell too, of this mega genius. And I think that's what people like kind of want to see out of Fantastic Four as well. Cause that's what Reed Richards represents is like mm-hmm. the smartest man in the universe. Like, what does that entail? Like, what does that really mean on a practical or day to day level? Like, what are the implications of that? And that's a fun science fiction premise and uh, I like to see that in a Batman movie is all I'm saying. I think there's a way to like integrate this idea of this man with this like insane, like almost like God level intelligence <laughs> doing his crazy mission. That's funny how um, intelligence is almost seen as a superpower in itself. You know, it's yeah. like like uh, physical strength is something that's really like glorified across comic books. But intelligence actually is, too. Yeah. I, and I think with Batman, they focus on, they don't focus enough on it. It's like a major detail of his character that I think would be an interesting, just new premise to explore. The greatest detective of all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the episode. We uh, The next day we're at Wayne Enterprises. Bruce Wayne is overseeing like something going on in the vault at Wayne Enterprises. And in the background, Arnold walks by. And Bruce sees him. He, like, goes over and greets him, congratulates him on the progress he's made. Um, We're seeing some Bruce Wayne in this episode. In season three, Bruce Wayne's a minor character compared to the earlier seasons. Right. But Bruce Wayne is trying to be, like, a supportive boss. Yeah. um, To this guy who's, like, been through some stuff. Arnold's just a mailboy in the... 
A mailman. I don't know. Yeah. He's passing out the mail. He works like in the ass- mailroom. An assistant job or something. Yes. But it's it's something, you know, he has something to do. And um he but he also is like nervous because it's his first day of work. He's meeting like the CEO of the company. He's sweating. He's also afraid of he he doesn't he's not fully confident in himself that he's conquered his demons. Right. Because of those nightmares he's been having. Right, that's true. So after work, Arnold's going home, it's dark out. These two mobsters from his past confront him and they're asking like, all right, well, where's Scarface? You know, like, when's he coming back? And Arnold's like, well, I'm on doctor's orders to stay away from you. Uh, Like, I have to do that to keep Scarface away. He's not coming back. And the mobsters are like, well, Scarface is too smart for that. (laughs) So Batman shows up and... These are themes we saw the last time we saw Scarface too. These mobsters are real big... uh they're bullies. They're bullies, yeah. They they really, they love Scarface, and they do not care about this ventriloquist guy. Right. So Batman shows up and beats up the mobsters. He tells them to stay away from Arnold, and uh, Arnold runs away back home. He's so nervous when he gets home that he, like, drops a glass of water and it shatters, and he starts hearing Scarface's voice in his mind. He's really being, like, terrorized by his own brain. He's again. being, right, he's in a total state of panic, for sure. But uh, I guess he manages to sleep, maybe. The next day, he gets out of the subway near the park to go to work. Um, and Lois Lane and Clark Kent are in the background sitting on a grassy knoll. Yeah, that's a <laughs> weird little cameo. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it does show how the new style of uh, drawing matches with like the other DC properties. Yeah. Because... Like, Lois and Clark are just drawn in, like, the normal style that they are in their own cartoon. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, like, fit seamlessly into the background here. I wonder if that was part of the statement they were making. Also, I read in the the show notes that there's even reused animation from the Superman animated series in this episode, too. Oh, really? There's, like, an explosion or something to save some money, I I guess. Oh, interesting. Okay, so their plan is working out. (laughs) Full melding of worlds. Yeah. Um, so Arnold is like walking through the park and there's some kids gathered around a ventriloquist with a dummy and like all he sees is Scarface everywhere. Like he's just freaked out. He makes it to work. He's pushing around the mail cart. He's sweating profusely. And one of the pieces of mail says dummy on it, which he understands to mean himself. And, um, it says to be by, (coughs) bless you, (laughs) (laughs) to be by the phone at 9 PM. Um, so he is, it's 9 p.m., the phone is ringing, and he knows it's, like, just in his imagination, or he thinks it's just in his imagination, but the answering machine picks up, and Scarface is threatening him. Um, so he picks up the phone, and he's like, I know you're not real, and the dummy on the phone says, like, well, look in the phone booth across the street. So he looks through the window, and sure enough, there's, like, the silhouette of a dummy right. in the phone booth. And as an audience viewer, you don't know if this is all in his imagination or if this is actually happening. I mean, I, I think you would just suspect that it is all in his imagination. Right, yeah. yeah. Based on previous episodes you've seen with him. I think I've seen this episode. This is one of the few uh, season three episodes I've definitely seen. So I kind of remembered the twist. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't remember like every detail, but that part I did. So Batman is, again surveilling outside the window because he's like seen Arnold around at work and knows something is not quite right with him. And so Batman goes down to the phone booth because he also sees the silhouette of the dummy and he goes to like check out what's going on. And like it, the dummy is like a real person who starts running. (laughs) They like have a big fight scene in a warehouse 
I think this would be effective in live action. This would be kind of creepy. Yeah, probably. Yeah. This would be a good little Batman scene. The warehouse is full of these enormous statues that they're fighting amongst. So, like, I don't know, like, the like Scarface is doing pretty well in the fight, all things considered. Um, <laughs> and then, like, a car pulls up and Scarface jumps in. Um, I don't know how. Somehow Batman had, like, a recording of the answering machine tape with Scarface's voice on it from Arnold's apartment. Yeah. So he takes it to the Batcave. Batgirl analyzes I mean, the, the warehouse fight is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, Batman is climbing up some scaffolding. It's a, it's a warehouse filled with concrete statues that are 100 feet high. Mm-hmm. And Scarface is knocking them down and almost crushing Batman to death. Um, it was a pretty good sequence. I liked it. It was just like a weird Gotham uh, location that seems appropriate for that bizarre Yeah, you city. don't know, like, what it is, what all these, like, monumental statues are doing there, but... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, like, more of a reference to the Schumacher movies being made at the time, because mm. the way, like, the outrageous Gotham architecture was integrated in those movies with these, like, huge sculptures that were the size of skyscrapers. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. It could be a reference to that. Yeah. I think that. Um, so, Batgirl analyzes the answering machine recording, and she like confirms that it's not actually Scarface's voice, even though it sounds like him. Right. So a mystery is afoot. Uh, Arnold, he goes home, he unplugs his phone, but Scarface is waiting for him on the couch, the dummy. And he's just at this point, like now confronted with him, he's sort of forced to become the ventriloquist again. He can't escape the voices, you know, the, the, the weird confrontations. It's, it's too late. His All of the therapy he's gotten has been reversed. And Scarface kind of like forces him to go back to the mobsters that they were working with before. Right. A return to a life of crime. So Batman and Batgirl go down to the Chelsea Arms, which is just like some apartment building, I guess. Um, and they confront this guy. He's a little person. And at first, this guy, I didn't catch his name, did you? Like Bugsy... McManus or something? I don't know. Something. At first, he denies any involvement in, like, the chase and fight from the night before. And then Batman's like, what about this? And he pulls out, like, the Scarface costume that was in his closet. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, all right, fine, it was me. But um, I'm not the brains behind the operation. I'm just a working guy, you know, like these mobsters that used to work with Scarface. I like the introduction of this character. This character is ridiculous. Like, Batman knows who he is and has dealt with him before, but we've never met him in the series. Yeah. (laughs) This little person who's involved in, you know, underworld activities. Low-level yeah. crime. And it's not the first time, like, this this character's met Batman either. It's it's a really funny scene. Yeah. Um, so he basically says, like, the mobsters were behind it um, because they need Scarface back. He was, like, the brains of their operation, and they want to keep doing crime, but without him, they can't, like, figure out a plan. So... Um, the next, like, operation that they're going to do is going to be at Wayne Enterprises. They're going to rob that big vault that Lucius Fox was showing off. Right. They've recast the voice of Lucius Fox, by the way, in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, there we are at Wayne Enterprises. It's the middle of the night. They have Lucius Fox there. He's, like, gagged, but he's in his pajamas. And they ungag him and force him to open the vault. It's like a voice command, futuristic vault. <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as he opens it, they, like, chloroform him so that he passes out. Um, He's got a nasty gash across his face. The mobsters start praising Scarface um, as, like, such a genius for, like, coming up with this plan. And then they just, like, start looting the vault. 
Right, and Scarface is back in command too. He's explaining like why these the, the bonds they're robbing are better than cash; they can't be traced. Uh, Batman and Batgirl come swooping. Yeah, no in. Robin. A lot of lot more Batgirl than Robin in this season thus far. I, I mean, maybe like the show staff realized that it yeah. was like creepy to have <laughs> a ten year old, ten year old like doing. He's not ten, right? They don't say his age, but he can't be ten. Why not? I don't know. They don't say his age. Oh, he's like twelve at the oldest, right? I'd say like visually he's twelve at the oldest, but I think he's he, meant to be like fourteen, thir- or thirteen or fourteen, right? That that have to be more realistic. Well, they left him home for this one. Yeah, probably a good thing. Um, and I like switching it up with Batgirl just being the Robin character. It's a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but again, it's like. Is the I, I'm not like I'm not an expert in the Batgirl comic books. In my mind, I would always think that Batgirl would be more of her own superhero. Hmm. She's not out there assisting Batman all the time. She's up to, I mean that's why they had the Batgirl TV show. She's just sort of her own entity. Hmm. That's the differentiation between her and Robin. Oh, but okay. in this universe, she's just like basically sidekick. To sidekick yeah. Well, maybe she does both. Maybe, like, in the episodes yeah. we don't see her as she's out doing other stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, that's what was kind of implied with the introduction of the character, and e- even in the animated series, is that we see her origin. And it's not like she's joining the team. I don't think that's, like, ever made clear in seasons two. Oh, like here it feels like she just yeah, is on the team. Right, exactly. She, like, she, hangs around at the Batcave all Yeah, time. she's in the Batcave. Whereas before, it just seemed like she was going to like get up onto some of her own solitary adventures whenever she felt like she had to. Mm. All right. Well, well, they they come in fighting. Um, Scarface threatens that he's going to shoot Lucius Fox if uh, they don't put their hands up. He throws them into the vault along with like a bundle of dynamite and then leaves with the mobsters. Yeah, I mean, vault door Batman's pretty trapped here. Right. He got caught in a small space. Uh, there's a hostage loose in the scene. Batman didn't account for it. And now this Scarface has gotten the best of him. Batgirl's like, please tell me Bruce Wayne has voice control of this vault, too. And he's like, yeah, but like only from the outside. There's no like mechanism to talk into. Big mistake. He should have realized that he might be trapped in the vault for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he really should have. <laughs> um, luckily, he has his grappling hook with him and he uses it to like send the bomb like way down uh, an air vent. Yeah, well, there's a convenient air vent. I mean, air vents are crucial to the Batman universe in all respects. Yes, and it works. It explodes like way down the vent. Nobody's hurt, presumably. Um, Scarface escapes. Like, there's like a catwalk between buildings yeah. in the city here, and he's really angry at the mobsters for calling him out of like his slumber. S- and not retirement exactly, yeah. but he says like, oh, he had a plan. He said he was playing possum. He was just laying low until the time was right, but now they ruined his plan, so he's mad. I wonder how true that is. True in what sense? Like, I wonder if Arnold had successfully, <laughs> oh, with oh. the therapy, had quelled him, and he was going to be fine as long as no one bothered him, mm. um, versus like now that like these mobsters violently resurrected this persona mm-hmm. and, and now scarface is just saying some bullshit He's like oh i was never under the spell of that therapy i was gonna i had my own plan the whole time right yeah so, i mean that could be i also wonder that's what's like, fun about the character because you just never know what's real and what's not real yeah exactly like i also wondered to what extent do the mobsters think that scarface is like his own entity or like 
were they trying on purpose to get the ventriloquist to go insane again because they know that it's like his alternate personality? I think the mobsters, it, it was, this is something that happened the last time we saw the, the puppet was the mobsters love, they just love Scarface, the character. It's almost like they're, they've been enchanted. They just suspend disbelief. Like yeah. They don't really care how it works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just know that the Scarface mobster, he's like the smartest uh, criminal in Gotham, the best boss to have. Right. And they're just, they're not like that smart to really understand what's going on. Okay. So we're supposed to just think that like they are not smart and that's the reason that they like go along with the whole Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, he throws like a bunch of dynamite at them. They're enablers, though. They're bad enablers. They are. The catwalk uh, explodes in the middle. They go swinging down one side of it. Scarface is shooting at them. Yeah, that's a pretty scary and violent scene of Scarface. They're just hanging on the ladder and Scarface is just wildly shooting his machine gun at them. Yeah. Um, Batman and Batgirl managed to like rewire something from inside the vault so that Bruce Wayne's voice could unlock it. They get out and start like throwing stuff at Scarface so that um, his gun goes flying. And then Batman tries to convince Arnold not to listen to Scarface anymore. Like He, he does his classic, like, I believe in you and I'm not going to move even though there's a gun pointed at me. Real pep talk. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like where yeah. he's always like, ch- he puts his life on the line because he believes in somebody's uh, deep, you know, character. And it works. It does work, yeah. It always works. Batman knows what he's doing. Right. <laughs> Master even, psychologist. Right. Even though Scarface is telling Arnold to shoot Batman, Arnold turns around and shoots at Scarface instead. And that's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He gets, um, like, thrown off the catwalk into, like, an industrial fan or something that, like, chops him up. I, I do love, like, while this is happening, while the ventriloquist is betraying Scarface, the ventriloquist still voices, like, the demise of the dummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you for this, you stupid ventriloquist. Right. <laughs> uh up until the very last second when he gets shredded by, like, an industrial fan when he, like, flutters down to the bottom of this, you know, building there on top of. This part is the most disturbing part of the episode is the ending. <laughs> because despite the fact that Arnold has clearly had, like, a severe relapse. Yeah. They do not send him for any further treatment. He just goes back to the halfway house. Bruce Wayne rehires him. He gets his job back, he says. He's, like, hanging out with the woman who, like, had helped him settle in yeah. the first day. Bruce Wayne's, like, a tyrant with a, like, a like a beautifully soft heart. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, he's, like, he's totally, the rules do not apply. Like, this guy, like, captured Lucius Fox, knocked him out. That's assault, kidnapping, robbery, like, you know, all I mean, this stuff. Really- he's, like, a deranged individual. And yeah. But Bruce Wayne's, like, you know what? I know better. Like, I saw the whole picture as Batman. I'm not going to send him back to prison. He's a good person at heart, but he does have, like, multiple personality disorder that he's being treated for yeah and seems like he could possibly use further treatment i don't know yeah i mean i it's just again it's like because bruce wayne is like this like uber controlling force he gets to decide this character's fate but also they've made the ventriloquist such a sympathetic character because you see like every step of the way he wants to do good like he wants to like lead a better life and not do harm and stuff. They Uh, have to redeem him in the end. They can't just send him back to Arkham, I guess. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the characters are very sympathetic, obviously all the villains. I mean, they're all super sympathetic and they're all just different aspects of Bruce Wayne too, Mm. in a lot of ways because of his, you know, he has his own psychological trauma and he's haunted by demons and driven to do insane things. 
So, I mean, that's part of, like, I guess, like, Batman's leniency is, like, he gets it. <laughs> he, like, knows how tough it is out there. And uh, he himself has an alter ego in a way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has a little more control over it, but, you know. Well, it's consumed. Like, I, I mean, it has consumed him in a way that is, like, not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and not legal in the slightest. You know, it's like he's like a complete, like I said, he is a tyrant of the city. A total vigilante. Yeah. He's a vigilante beyond. He's like the most, like, high functioning vigilante tyrant, like, <laughs> psycho out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then again, many of the great people in history do have these psychological problems. and Yeah. That's sort of like who rises to the top. Like no one like – usually people that have like sort of a good head on their shoulders and just like can have a good life balance. They it, live very moderately. Yeah. They don't like have a desire to like conquer whatever field they're in and rise to the extreme top where they have all the power and, get, and have the final say and they have all the money. You know, like the people right. that like control society are prob- usually the most like psychologically unbalanced like right, for, because they have the drive to control society. Right, yeah, to put yourself through that ringer to, like, throw your body out there, your nervous system. I was just, again, I was watching, like, a Beatles thing where George Harrison said, it, like, it wasn't fun being a Beatle because everyone else was having a great time, but we had to give our nervous systems to, like, to go through the experience. And that, like, finally made sense. I've heard that quote before, but, like, it finally made sense to me in a, like, in a real way. Where it's like when you do something extremely stressful, it, it is oftentimes an out of body experience in many ways, and like the, the stress that puts on your nerve, literal nervous system, is a lot. Like you go to bed and you're just shaking and you can't sleep and you, it's hard to eat and you know it's like you're just like ramped up. Your brain is like going at a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So to continuously put yourself in the position of being like like in high the most high pressure situations, like it takes some kind of like mental repression on a level that probably isn't healthy for any normal human. Mm. So I don't know. But then again, Batman is a master of all forms of like meditation and right. <laughs> like quieting his mind and stuff. So maybe he figured out a way to like balance being like a billionaire industrialist and the vigilante life risking guy in a way where he just like rests easy. Yeah. Maybe he's going to give some tips to uh, Arnold Wesker. Yeah. I would like to read a book written by Bruce Wayne. That'd be, that'd be a fabulous self-help book. <laughs> Nine ways you can get over like extreme trauma and take the wor- world by the balls by Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, I thought this was a good episode. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, a a season, lot to think about. <laughs> season three is really good. Uh, I'm surprised. I thought the show would be downhill because I didn't like the animation. It's not true. It's It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just as fun as the other seasons. Batman continues to be a great animated series in, in a way where other shows like have gone down, you know, X-Men went downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not quite the writing in X-Men. There were a few like really bum episodes in season five for sure. But at the same, like the, the combination of the animation going downhill, it was just like, it, it tailed off in a big way. Yeah. And they replaced voice actors. Batman, no, it's not like it. Well, we still have a little high quality. Yeah, yeah, but there's only 20 episodes in season three, and the first six have been good. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Sonia, until next week. All right. Good night. Good night.